It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, a ring baron, vest wearing, son of a salesman. Welcome to episode number 51 of our Casino Combat Podcast, a podcast where our squad continues to demonstrate that it is possible to be good at the game of casino gambling and use our skills to profit from living a casino lifestyle, at least part-time. Been here for years, so call it a lifestyle, call it a side hustle, just don't call it a comeback. Let's do this. Let's do this. Non-binary persons, gentlemen, ladies, Tom Bombadil and Bjorn, do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that information for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity all right welcome 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 i have a stacked episode for you this week i'll lay things out in a minute but a quick story from my oldest son that i thought provided an interesting perspective on how things related to casino gambling are are very much all relative to the individual my oldest son the heir to the throne owns and manages a variety of rental properties and he recently converted a couple units from being rental units to being Airbnb rentals, uh, and they're relatively close to our local casino. Uh, pretty pretty decent location for somebody out of town that, that wants to do stuff downtown without paying the price of staying downtown, if you know what I'm saying. So he had a follow-up survey from a guest last week, and the guest shared that they really enjoyed everything about, uh, about his Airbnb property and that the other tenants in the building were very nice and very helpful, even letting the guests know that the, that the casino was close by. Well, that made their visit really great because they went to the casino, they gambled with $50, and they won $5. I'm sure some of you who are regular casino goers are thinking they won $5. Big deal. And I get that. I mean, I once saw... (laughs) He won't care if I tell this. Um, I once stood in line with and saw Gabriel stand in line for 15 minutes or more as part of a drawing where our local casino was giving away cash money. And the end result of Gabriel's uh, drawing was that uh, he won $5. Uh, They handed him $5 cash. Uh, and uh, he, he did a very Gabriel thing. He went to the nearest table possible and tipped the dealer the $5 he had just won. So, look, I get it. Uh, I thought it was the right thing for him to do. I think it's ridiculous for a casino to even consider $5 meaningful to someone like Gabriel, who's there regularly and, 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 and gambles a significant amount of money. Um, I mean, I get insulted when this, this casino thinks $3 in free slot play is worth my time. So I certainly get it. I certainly agree with him. But that's not the point here. The point is that everyone perceives casinos and gambling differently. That $5 win made this person's time in the city more fun. And I'm not going to judge that. I'm going to celebrate that. Anytime gambling is fun for people and they leave the building with a profit, it's a good day for them in my book. Maybe that's not quite hitting a single, but maybe for them that is hitting a single. Who knows? I'm thrilled. It was a neat, fun story to hear. Anyway, here's the plan for this episode. I did just a little local gambling this past week, so we're going to do a travel segment. First thing, get that out of the way. One of those gambling trips included a random unplanned meetup with Gabriel, and we are going to have a Gambling with Gabriel segment as a result. I know some of you really enjoy the craps information that I usually use that segment for, But this week, Gabriel's contribution to the podcast isn't about craps. It's about a potential casino trap that I know I've fallen into once or twice. He just fell into it. Um, And so I thought I'd talk about that since it's uh, it's primarily his story to tell. And I'll give you some embellishments and some uh, information of my own as well. Uh, So, yeah, I thought I'd do some observing and teaching based on his recent experiences as part of the podcast today. Gabriel also asked me a question that I wanted to take time to answer for all of you, and I received a trip report from Virginia casino player Doug. Uh, VCPD didn't really have a question, but the segment seems like a good place to share his results with you after his question last week. I'm going to do a Casino Wisdom segment for you and revisit Casino Wisdom number 14, Don't Tip Away Your Wins, 
and look at various aspects of tipping in a casino. As always, we're going to finish up in the VIP lounge, and since the month of May 2021 is now in the books, well, in the spreadsheet really, not the books, but since the month is done, we need to look at my results for the whole month and see if I had a winning or a losing month. So that's the battle plan squad. Let's move out. The travel segment is next. Well, due to some family challenges, last week's episode was the first one since I started this podcast where I had no results to share. I didn't place a single bet uh, during the week for that episode. Not counting pandemic-related lockdown, it's probably the first week in a decade that I didn't, didn't place a single bet. So it was good to get back into the swing of things this past week. The young lion was visiting for the long weekend, so I had to limit my gambling to just a couple of trips to my local casino. Things were still on a pretty tight lockdown compared to my home casino and Casino One, but not only did I get to spend some time playing blackjack with Gabriel, we also ran into Big Dan, who had just gotten back to the casino the day before after uh, over a year away. Now, Big Dan is a guy who plays at a level where a $6,000 loss and then a rebound to make that only a $1,000 loss is, is just it's a normal Tuesday for him, and he'll be back Wednesday. He, that's the kind of player he is. As a result of playing at that type of level, he's always at the fourth tier, the, the basically the top tier in the reward system at our local casino. He's always using the shortest line. He's always comped meals. He parks free whenever he wants, basically in and out privileges multiple times a day if that's what it takes, parking for his friends. Just he gets the benefits that go along with that level of that level of gambling. Well, since our local casino reward system did nothing, zero, zip, nada, to protect players' tiers or perks during the pandemic, Big Dan has dropped all the way to zero points, zero benefits. He'd come back to the casino the day that uh, Gabriel and I were there because he realized he had a couple chips that he hadn't cashed, and then as he came in to cash the chips, he realized, ah, now if I don't play, i got to pay him to park, and it's going to take <laughs> So he's going to have to play a while to cover the parking because you've got to gamble at the lowest level. You've got to gamble for 30 minutes at this casino to get them to cover parking. And that's because my local casino is in the middle of downtown. If casino was, if casino parking was free, then casino parking would always be full of people that were downtown, but not gambling. So they have to charge. And then the offset is at the third, fourth tier, you get to park free all the time. And at the lower tiers, you've got to gamble some to uh, to cover your parking. Uh, look, I know from what I've read that a lot of people are going to be dealing with the same issue as Big Dan because as they return to casinos where they're going to have to re-earn a set of benefits that they used to take for granted for years. And he was a good reminder of that. And it was good to see him again. It's good to see, you know, familiar faces back around. And maybe a lot of people are saying it's good to see my familiar face back around. Not sure. Anyway, I also ran into Proud Papa and we took a minute to talk. Uh, Because of the masks and the plexiglass everywhere, we didn't get to talk very much. And we didn't get to gamble together, which we would have liked to have done. But I did get to congratulate him on the end of the second season of his son's TV show and tell him that I thought his episodes were a lot of fun to watch. If you don't recall, Proud Papa has a son who is a professional wrestler and has a reality TV show with his wife. Proud Papa is in several episodes of the reality TV show every season, so I always try to catch those episodes. It's fun to see him on TV, um, and and he always appreciates a good compliment, uh, well, or at least a compliment. I guess he can decide if they're good uh, when I run into him. All right, enough, enough, enough of the that kind of stuff. It was good to see my friends and allies again, but how did the gambling go? That's what you've got to be thinking. And my answer is, eh, average, normal, which is to say, in this case, sadly, pretty boring. On my first visit... I took a small loss at the first blackjack table, had a small loss on a slot machine, and then won some money back at a second blackjack table before leaving. On my second visit, I had two losing blackjack tables, a losing slot machine play, and a winning slot machine play. Not a very good week for TRG getting back into the swing of things. I finished the week down a day and a half's pay. And we will see here at the end of the episode how that factors into the month. When we finish up in the VIP lounge at the end of the episode and and sort out all the results for the month. But that's the results for the week. Down a day and a half's pay. All right. Let's go gambling with Gabriel. 
Normally, a Gambling with Gabriel segment means craps-related gambling information. So let me give you a quick bit of that, but that isn't really what the segment is going to be about. As far as craps goes, my experiment with craps is uh, kind of over at this point. Uh, at least for now, at least until I come up with something else I want to try. Uh, despite finding a lower buy-in amount, figuring out how to have a win stack, starting to find a wagering process that matches the core concepts, or frankly, any other wagering concept that I thought would really work. I'm just hitting way more negative exits than positive exits. Those negative exits are larger than the positive exits. It, I just can't seem to make it work. Uh, not as something to do for a profit. For fun, sure. Happy to gamble there for entertainment if for some reason I'm gambling for entertainment. I don't hate the experience. I like being comfortable at a craps table. But other than using it to get points with a small part of a large blackjack win, maybe at some point in the future, I'm not really seeing it fit into what I try to do, my intent of going to casinos. I don't go to casinos to gamble for entertainment very often. I'm just not finding much value in craps. So there's a little bit of craps and kind of put a bow on, uh, on this kind of year-long look at craps in a variety of ways. So why are we gambling with Gabriel today if this isn't about craps? Well, Gabriel got himself into a bit of a situation, a situation that I've been in before, and he was telling me about it, and he gave me his permission to share it with all of you in the hopes that someone else can learn from his, which, to be honest, is our mistake. I, I've made this one in the past. So I'm going to do my best to paraphrase and summarize his experiences accurately, but any omissions or errors are my fault. A few months ago, Gabriel was at our local casino, waiting for a spot at a craps table to open up or something of that nature. Generally, he was just wandering the casino floor, and he stopped to chat with uh, a mutual friend of ours who used to be a blackjack player, and now she's a blackjack dealer. (laughs) Easy for me to say, blackjack dealer. She was dealing a game called DJ Wild to just a a single player, and she was chatting with Gabriel as as she dealt the game. And eventually she introduced Gabriel to the other player, Maxine, an older lady, nicely dressed, um, nothing to to make her stand out from any other nicely dressed older ladies, I guess. Um, But Gabriel's point of view on things. So from time to time after that, Gabriel would see her in the casino and say, hello, no big deal, normal stuff. So a few weeks ago, Maxine approaches Gabriel at the craps table and asks if she could borrow $50 to play some blackjack, and she would pay him back right away when she won. So he loaned her the money. Seemed like a reasonable thing to do. She seemed like a nice lady. He sees her all the time. She's going to pay him back. He loans her the money, and she paid him back. No big deal. A week later, she asked to borrow $100, and she leaves the building without paying back the $100. So, the next time Gabriel saw her, she paid him back, and then a few hours later, asked to borrow the $100 again, which was loaned. So, the next time he saw her, she again needed to borrow $100, promising to pay him back the full $200 that day. But there was a problem with her ATM access and her ability to get money from the cage, and she wasn't able to pay him back. At this point, Casino Wisdom number 67 is starting to come into play for Gabriel, understandably. And Casino Wisdom number 67 is, emotional control is perhaps the most important casino skill. Don't play in a negative emotional situation. Maxine is now causing a negative emotional situation for Gabriel. Logically, Gabriel is looking for her when he goes to the casino. She's almost top of mind as he's walking into the building. And he's annoyed with himself, kind of about the money, but not really even about the money. It's just about getting involved with all of this when he kind of knows better and and he wishes he hadn't done it. Maxine has become a point of friction and a distraction from what Gabriel goes to the casino to do. The next time Gabriel runs into Maxine, she's full of apologies. And of course, she's saying that famous thing that seems to always come up if you get yourself into these situations. She's saying, you know I'm good for it. This is just a common thing for rats like Maxine to say. The reality is, if she was good for it, she'd have paid it back at this point. She'd have made sure she paid it back. That's what people who are good for it do. They make good on the money they borrowed as quickly as possible. So she really isn't good for it. And if she is, she's not demonstrated it to Gabriel at this point. 
But, of course, she wants to borrow another $100 because she's good for it. And she tells him that regardless of what happens, she will write him a check for $300 if she needs to before she leaves the building. So he loans her the third $100, thinking that worst case, he will have at least her last name, which he doesn't have, and an address if she writes him a check, even if it bounces. Of course, when it's time to leave, she realizes that she forgot her checkbook. She will have to pay him next time. Well, next time, not only doesn't she pay him back, but she hovers behind him at the craps table while he's in the middle of a hot roll. So she's a distraction and an annoyance, hovering, waiting to beg for more free money. And of course, that's what happens, right? As soon as the roll ends, probably prematurely because of her presence, that negative emotional energy, and she has to borrow another 50 right away. Negative emotional situation, as I said. It's difficult not to be mad and upset at this point if you're Gabriel. I mean, I'd be, I'd be, quite frankly, he's handling it better than I was at this point. At this point, I'd have probably made a scene. And, and Gabriel's the guy that threw a glass across the room when he was angry. So he's really holding it together. This just doesn't make a good gambling environment. He refused to loan her any more money and insisted that she pay him back. And it's at this point in the process that he's looping me in. Up until this point, I hadn't known anything about this. Um, so he updates me on the situation, and he's just wondering if I had any suggestions or th thoughts on handling this. Ideally, getting his money back, but if that's not going to happen, then either A, punishing her in some fashion, or at least B, creating enough awareness within the casino that someone else doesn't have to deal with her in the future. Um, we had a few ideas. We kicked him around. Um, he'd had quite a few of the same ideas himself, but I had a few things to contribute. And unfortunately, so far, Maxine has not been seen in the casino again since uh, since he updated me and since this all went down. She's supposed to pay him back on Thursday. So like Guardian and the Jet, I'll keep you posted and we'll see how things turn out. But as of this point, we're waiting on Thursday and, and we're hoping this all turns out well. But I get how this happens. It's happened to me. Years ago, I was experimenting with a small stakes uh, blackjack theory on some of those machines with the pre-recorded video dealers. And at that time, the machines at my local casino were set up for a legitimately shuffled single deck game that paid three to two, stood on all 17s, and allowed surrender. Based purely on the rules, this was the best game in the building and priced at a minimum of $1 per hand. So I was intrigued. Over the course of a couple weeks, I got to know an individual who called himself Big Black. Nice guy, fun to be around, and one day he asks if he can borrow 100 bucks until the next day. I see the guy every time I'm at the casino, but the only name I have is Big Black. I don't think I'm going to find that in the phone book, right? So I say, no, you're a good guy, but I don't know how to find you if you don't show them all. And he says, no problem, I'll put my number in your phone. And he does, and I test it, and it works, and so I make the loan. And, of course, the next day he doesn't show. I mean, I'm sure he was good for it, but he didn't do what he said, and he didn't make a priority of showing up and returning the money I'd loaned him. I called him. Something came up. He didn't. He wasn't going to be in the casino today, but he'll be there in two days for sure. So two days pass, and I make it a point of being back in the casino. So now I'm adjusting my schedule a little bit. Not a lot. I don't hate going to the casino, but I'm making adjustments to collect this money to have this done in behind me. And, of course, he's nowhere to be found. So I call him, and he tells me that he decided to go to another casino two hours away instead of going there. Why don't I just come join him? Nope. No. Not. Yet. I'm, I'm in a casino already. I went there because he said he was going to be there. I'm not going to drive a total of four hours round trip to be in a different casino to collect $100. He says he'll get it to me next week. Is it a big deal? Is that okay? And I say, no, it's not exactly a big deal, but I'm on vacation in Atlantic City next week. I'd rather not have this hanging around as an issue. I'd like to take my $100 on my vacation to Atlantic City. He says, sorry, he feels bad. He'll get me when, he, when, he, when I get back. He'll take care of it. He's good for it. He's not. He's a rat. We should know by now that that's what he is. And of course, I never saw him again. And when I called his phone the next week after vacation, his phone's disconnected. Lesson relearned by TRG. And you'd think having learned that lesson 15 years previous, I'd have remembered, but I didn't. See, I'm annoyed again already. I'm annoyed at myself again. You can understand how Gabriel's annoyed at himself. And that's the point of this segment. Gabriel and I 
would both like to help you avoid making this mistake. This could almost be a Casino Wisdom. Maybe I have to make it a Casino Wisdom at some point. But until then, if it was a Casino Wisdom, it would be something like, don't ever loan anyone money that matters to you in a casino. And if you're going to, only loan money if you have a verified first and last name and address and a phone number. Boy, that would make a lousy Casino Wisdom. That is way too long. <laughs> Look, those are the minimum things you would expect to have if you were loaning money outside of a casino, right? First name, last name, and address and a phone number? You're not loaning money to somebody that you don't have that basic information for outside a casino. Why would you do it inside a casino? But your first best choice is don't loan money to strangers in a casino. I mean, look, I'd loan Gabriel money in a casino anytime if he ever asked. I'd loan him money outside the casino if he ever asked. Um, look, we talk or text multiple times a week, sometimes almost every day. I know his last name. I know the names and addresses of his businesses. Same thing with the walking Wikipedia, but that's the point. I'd loan them money outside the casino if they ask because I have all this information and I have a good sense of who they are and what they do to make money and how they make money and how much money they make. At least enough that if they're asking to borrow money from me, I should loan it to them because they seem to be doing just fine. <laughs> Look, the point is I know them that well. But from a casino point of view, knowing someone that well is a pretty high bar. You don't know most people randomly asking you to loan the money in a casino as well as I know these two people. Most people who ask to borrow money in a casino are not people you know that well. Anyone who you don't have all the above information on, don't loan them money. Just politely decline. Obviously, if Gabriel and I have both stumbled into this from time to time, there's a good chance it's going to happen to you and it's easy enough to, if we fell for it, it's easy enough for you to fall for it. Before I wrap this up, let's look at other ways of borrowing or loaning money in a casino that might not be as obvious, that you might not have thought of. These are things that I see happen on a fairly regular basis. I mean, one or two times a month at least, if not more. Suppose, for example, you're playing blackjack. Another player has a total of 10, and the dealer has a 6 showing. That's a pretty obvious double. But the other player, the player with the hand, only has about half the money they need to make the double. And it's not uncommon for a player in that situation to ask other players at the table if they want the rest of the double. That is, they're asking you if you want to loan them the money to make the rest of the bet. Now, most people are honest. If you provide the money for the rest of the double and they win, they will give you your money back along with the money they won with your money. But they don't have to. What you did was loan them money to bet with. When the money goes into the betting circle, touched by their hand, it is their money as far as the house is concerned. Any transaction prior to it going into the circle is a transaction between two guests. I've seen this situation occur, and the person who just won either returns just the original amount borrowed, without including the amount won, or they keep all of the money and pretend nothing had been borrowed. Don't loan money to strangers in a casino and realize that money handed over as chips to make a wager is money loaned. This can happen another way, where you are borrowing money without realizing it and making a problem for yourself in the process. I've been at a blackjack ta table where a player will be running out of money. So instead of making the table minimum bet of, say, $15, they will ask if you can just put $5 on top of your bet for them. Now this seems harmless enough. So sure, why not be a nice person and help the other person out, right? Just a, a nice, decent thing to do. Well, when they hand you a $5 chip and you add it to your bet, you just borrowed money from them. And from their point of view, they are now in the hand with you. So you get a pair of eights and the dealer is showing a five. You know basic strategy says to split that pair of eights and the other person doesn't want to split. They want to stand. They are almost out of money. They are playing from fear. They don't want to lose. And they may try to persuade you not to split. They may tell you, well, it's my money too. But if you do split, they will tell you they are not putting any more money in. So you now need to use an additional $5 to split the hand. And if you get more eights that need to be split or twos or threes that need to be doubled, you need an extra $5 to make those wagers as well. So what was a bankroll, say, $15 bet can become multiple $20 bets because you tried to help somebody else. Oh, look, this I'm not pretending this is a bankroll crusher. It's not. It's not that big a deal. 
but it's also not something you planned on when you put together your gambling plan to go to the casino. You weren't planning on it. You were just trying to be nice to another player. So now this can go sideways in so many ways at this point. You split and double a few times with just your money, since the other player didn't want to loan you more money to make the, their wagers with, and you win all the hands. The other player now demands the extra $5 won on all the hands, because you wouldn't have had the opportunity to make the larger wager without the $5 you borrowed from them, so they think you owe them some of that. Or you lose the original hand that includes their money, and they insist that you pay them back the $5, plus the $5 they would have won, since you didn't play their money the way they wanted it played. They didn't want to split the eights. Either way, you are now once again in a negative, a potentially, maybe not for you, maybe you're better at this than we are, but you're now potentially in a negative emotional situation because you tried to help someone out. Don't borrow money from people you don't know in a casino just to be nice. Next up, same blackjack table. A player gets a pair of sevens and the dealer has a four. They look at you and say, I know this is a split. I don't have the money to split it. Do you, wanna, do you want the split? Do you want that half of the bet? When you say sure and hand them the money, once again, you are making a loan. They control that hand, and the money you loan them is under their control. It's really their money. If they get a two on your hand and decide to stand on nine instead of hitting, you have no say in the matter. You have nothing to say. You have no way to do anything about it. If they draw a five, Instead of that two, if they draw a five for a total of 13 and they decide to go ahead and go against basic strategy and hit and lose the money you loaned them, you have nothing to say about that. I've also seen this go sideways in other ways. The player sticks with proper basic strategy, loses the first hand of the split, their money in the game, technically. The hand you loaned them money for wins and they give you back the money you loaned them but no winnings. In their minds, they gave you half of the result of their two hands. They're playing fair in their minds. You took risk, you received no rewards. Probably not what you thought you agreed to. Or they play properly and win both hands and return your original chips to you since all you did was loan them money. Again, don't loan money to strangers in a casino. Bottom line, outside of the context of this segment, you probably wouldn't have considered any of those situations borrowing or loaning money. But from the point of view of the house, that is exactly what you are doing. These transactions are outside the game, and any resolution to these transactions is between the players. Don't loan, mo loan money to or borrow money from strangers in a casino. And that goes beyond handing over paper money. It extends to the transactions at the table as well. You know, in fact, I've convinced myself. I really have. I've talked myself into it now, having gone through this from top to bottom. So, um, checking the, let me check the list here. Uh, Keeper of Wisdom's list, by the way, the official list. And number 70 is open. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice, uh, thanks to Keeper of Wisdom's. So, T-Rex, let's make a new Casino Wisdom, Casino Wisdom number 70. Don't loan, loan money to or borrow money from strangers in a casino. And update Fred to send the to include that in, in the download link to, to, to include that in Fred's list. Okay, so big thank you to Gabriel for sparking that thought process and allowing me to share his experiences with you. Let's do questions my sons ask. What? What? My sons ask questions, listeners ask questions via email and social media, and often allies like Gabriel ask questions. Gabriel's question was just asked in passing, and that's one of the things I want to focus on in this segment, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but last week we had a question from Virginia Casino player Doug, who was prepping for a trip to Atlantic City. So since we talked about that in the question segment last week, I wanted to share an email he sent me with his results and experiences. So VCPD wrote to say, good morning, TRG. I arrived home last night, ready to update you and the Casino Combat Squad on the COVID conditions in Atlantic City. I took some great notes on my observations Wednesday night and Thursday. I was ready to send you my report. Then Friday morning, the governor lifted all, or at least most, of the restrictions. Masks became voluntary, plexiglass dividers on table games were removed, and restaurants went to full capacity. 
Social distancing was still being encouraged, and as of noon Friday, every other slot machine was still turned off. But aside from the slot machines, it looked like everything was getting back to normal. So, side note for me, this is great news. This is really good news. In many ways, this is news I've been waiting for. Now, so he writes, he continues, Now, as to my results, using Casino Combat core concepts and Casino Wisdoms, I can verify that TRG Wagering Strategy 1 and TRG Slot Strategy El Numero Dos really do work. I don't know how much detail you want, but following Casino Wisdom number 99, I wrote down results from each table and slot machine. Again, sidebar, I actually asked him if he'd be willing to convert those to the $1 a day uh, scale. And, uh, and send them to me because I'd really like to see his ratios, see how closely they match my ratios and, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so back to, his, back to his email. He says, I had a great time gambling from about 5 p.m. Wednesday to about noon on Friday. I lost and spent about one and a half days pay. To be fair, most of that was spent. Hotel, food, souvenirs, etc. And very little of it was lost gambling. And quite frankly, that makes sense to me. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, two nights stay. So that's at least one, two, three, probably four, but at least three. And then and then uh, four or five on, on Friday, meals, two nights of hotel, some souvenirs, some drinks, some tips. That, uh, that sounds to me like he did pretty well. Now I really can't wait to see his numbers. Back to his email. Sorry, I... Got sideways there again, didn't I? Thank you for your casino combat teachings. When I walked into the casino, I knew I had an appropriate bankroll for the game and for games I was going to play. I knew I had a wagering strategy for those games and I had an exit strategy to protect my winnings or limit my losses. Losses. This gave me what I am calling casino confidence, which he spelled with a K, of course. Uh, please let me know if you would like more detailed information on my table and slot play. I'm going to go to the website and tip my casino coach. <laughs> I just love this. I really just love this. Um, thanks for the report, VCPD. Uh, this one really makes me feel good. It really made me feel great when I got it. Knowing that, that you were able to use what I've been teaching, what I've been talking about this past year to feel casino confident is really gratifying. It's the reason I started doing this. It's also great that other listeners get to hear that Casino Combat works for other people besides me and my crew. By the way, everyone, I mentioned it earlier, he spelled both confident and coach with a K. Two great pieces of creativity that will certainly find their way into the podcast as we go forward. This is just so neat. This is what I wanted this podcast to accomplish. I wasn't creative enough to say it that way, but I wanted people to be casino confident. I just wish I'd have thought of it. I've just run into so many people in my life over the years who don't understand how casinos and casino gambling work. I really appreciate knowing that this podcast has helped people in some small way. Also, Virginia casino player Doug did what he said he was going to do. He is a man of his word. Uh, kind of fits in with our tipping theme a little bit as well. He went to anchor.fm slash casino combat and hit the donate button and supported the podcast, which I really appreciate. I mean, look, this is a labor of love, obviously. This is a passion project. Just me trying to help others use what I have learned and learn some more for my own benefit in the process. I'm not tr obviously trying to get rich or famous by doing this podcast on gambling. But I will say that this podcast takes a fair amount of time to create and publish each week. And as we hit the one-year mark, I'd like to create enough value for all of you who listen that donations and contributions cover the monthly costs of hosting the website and hosting the email and those kinds of things. So I really appreciate that uh, VCPD was willing to, to do that, found enough value that, that he was willing to help the podcast a little bit. It, it's, it's really gratifying. I really appreciate it. Also, since VCPD mentioned TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, don't forget that if you want to understand that slot strategy, I've never done it in any of the podcasts. It's 28 pages. It's charts. It's graphs. It would probably bore you to death if I read it to you. But if you want that strategy that he used successfully, you can send me an email via trg at casinocombat.com. Combat spelled with a K. You know that. And put the words, two words, slot tactics in the subject line. Our email bot, Fred, will send you a link to download a copy of the ebook that explains the strategy completely and it's free. I didn't leave anything out and I'm not charging you anything for it. 
or whatever it costs you to send me an email if that costs you something. Update on past questions handled, I guess. Felt like that was stuff you all needed to hear and know. What question are we really talking about today, though? What actual question? Well, in the course of a conversation about a variety of local gambling topics that I was having with Gabriel, Gabriel says to me, can you think of a worse casino in the entire world than this one? Meaning our local casino, of course. He says, this has to be the worst casino anywhere. And at one level, he isn't wrong. Look, there are plenty of reasons to be unhappy with how our local casino is operated and managed. There's a lot of valid criticism that could and should be leveled. But the answer to his question is that, yes, yes, I can think of a worse casino than our local casino. I can think of several, actually. But let me tell you about one that I consider the worst casino I've ever encountered. Several years ago, Mrs. TRG and I took a very disappointing trip to Laughlin, Nevada. The blackjack rules and table limits at all the casinos were so horrible that we gave up doing any serious gambling and just did the the drunk tourist thing because that was the, the best option available to us. But we wanted to be sure that it wasn't just the first few casinos that we went to that didn't have a, a blackjack game worth playing. So we visited every casino up and down the, the Colorado River, which is where the gambling strip is in, in Laughlin. It's, I don't remember, 10, 12 properties that we looked at. And there was one casino that was re- memorable for just how shabby and stunningly awful it was. So earning itself the, the worst possible casino I've ever encountered label. You entered the casino by way of a screen door, actually, kind of like the screen doors on an inexpensive travel trailer um, below a beat-up old sign, and to the right of the door was a set of stairs leading to a second floor, and to the left there was a snack bar with a, a, a counter and uh, and several stools and uh, a pair of beat-up pool tables. And I'll confess, I don't ever recall ever seeing pool tables in a casino anywhere else which doesn't mean I just haven't been in the right casinos, but it struck me as strange. And it also struck me as strange that a casino would have just such beat up, messed up kind of junky pool tables if they were going to bother to have them. Anyway, past the snack bar was maybe two dozen slot machines. At this point in our tour, Mrs. TRG and I had yet to see a single person guest or employee in this casino. So we went up to the second floor and found a small video poker bar and a bartender watching television and a customer. I mean, I assume it was a customer. Who knows? uh, Sleeping face down on a video poker machine. I'm being kind here by saying they were sleeping face down on a video poker machine. They may have been passed out or dead. I really have no idea. But that's what we saw. Um, There were a few more slot machines in this area and then... Uh, There was also a pit for table games with two blackjack tables and a roulette table. And there was one person in jeans and a t-shirt staffing this pit as both the dealer and the pit boss for any of the tables someone might decide to play. And we wondered what would happen if one of us wanted to play blackjack and the other wanted to play roulette. What would this one dealer and floor person do? Maybe they'd one hand, one spin, one hand, one spin. I, I don't really know. Uh, we didn't really want to play either in this particular place. And, and we made our way to the door very quickly. Um, so Gabriel's right. Our local casino has a number of flaws. But when he asked me if it was the worst casino anywhere, I, I had to tell him that it wasn't and tell him about this casino, obviously. Anytime I even consider going back to Laughlin because I get offered a free trip, I remember that casino and quickly decide that free isn't necessarily worth my time. All right, next on our plan for this episode is a moment of casino wisdom. Um, hold up, wait. Um, okay. Okay, sure. Uh, I just got a message from T-Rex with a question he thinks I should just go ahead and answer quickly in this episode and ho- instead of holding it over. So why not? Here goes. So Geo writes, hey, TRG, thanks for the slot tactics book. Oh, that actually fits in. Okay, I get it. I get what T-Rex was thinking. Looks good. Can't wait to try it out. But I'm wondering about the email bot. Does Fred stand for any, does Fred stand for anything? Okay, sure. Okay, yes, it does stand for something. And again, I really appreciate everyone's attention to detail. I really do. Fred stands for Free Robot Email Distributor. <laughs> Good call, T-Rex. That was an easy one. Okay, now a moment of casino wisdom.
kind of fell into a moment of casino wisdom talking through Gabriel's situation in the, the Gambling with Gabriel segment. But today I wanted to take another look at casino wisdom number 14, which teaches us don't tip away your wins. This casino wisdom was the result of several situations over the years where I watched inexperienced players turn a win into a loss by over-tipping for the amount they were wagering. It's good advice that I stand by. Tips to dealers need to match your level of play. But I thought today we would expand on that and talk about ways to tip dealers and using tips as a tool in other areas of the casino. Before I do that, since we're talking about casino wisdoms and since we're talking about Fred, um, the, the podcast email bot, if you if you want a list of, of uh, all the casino wisdoms, Fred can send you a link to download a copy of those. Um, once again, two words, send an email to me, put the words get wisdom in the subject line. Fred will reply and send you a link to download that complete list of wisdoms. A, so that you have the list. B, so that if you want to go back to a particular episode and, and listen uh, and, and see what that wisdom is all about, you'll have that as well. Tipping in a table game, and actually, I'll come back to a table game in a second. This is a common question online. I should have put it in the question segment. I guess I am rambling all over the place today. I see this a lot online, and it maybe doesn't seem obvious to you, and it wouldn't necessarily seem obvious to me. I'm not a big slot player. I've never actually been in this situation, but... In most casinos, it varies some from state to state what the amount is, but once you win a certain amount, a lot of times it's $1,200, then the machine is doing what's called a hand pay. You get a notice that an attendant will come actually do the payout, and usually there's some paperwork involved because the federal government of the United States is going to get involved here in North America. You should tip that person, and you should tip that person in proportion to the amount of the win, right? Don't win $10,000 and tip them 10 bucks. Come on, don't be that person. So tipping a slot attendant who's doing the work of paying you a lot of money because you got a big payout from a slot machine is just the right thing to do. It has nothing to do with this casino wisdom and it has nothing to do with this segment, but it is the thing that came to my mind as I was starting to tell you about tipping at table games, which in its most basic form is as easy as it gets. At some point, you've been winning and you hand a chip or a few chips to the dealer as a tip, and you say thank you. Could be after a nice winning hand, could be when you're leaving the table with the win, easy and straightforward. But you can also tip dealers by placing a bet for them. If you're playing blackjack, if you're playing baccarat, you do this by placing the bet for them above the bet for yourself on the edge of the betting circle or betting square. Most dealers appreciate the opportunity to double the size of your tip. Another move I like to make is to make a side bet that I don't normally make and tell the dealer that the bet is for them. This could turn a small bet into a large bet for the dealers if the right cards come up. And I'm not going to normally make that bet anyway. I was going to give away the $5. I've given it away. Maybe it wins them a bunch of money. That would be great. Another blackjack favorite of mine is to spread a tip out across multiple bets. For example, instead of tipping $5, or even betting $5, I will have the $5 chip turned into five $1 chips and ask the other players at the table to each make a $1 tip bet for the dealer. So this provides multiple chances for the dealer to collect a tip, even if my hand doesn't win. And obviously, if you're playing for bigger stakes, that's a $25 chip broken up into five $5 chips or whatever. The idea is involve them in the game. It's fun for them. It's fun for the other players. It's really fun if the dealer busts and everybody gets paid. Craps provides a variety of bets that you can make for the crew, as they say. I mean, you can make any of the bets on the table for the crew. One of my favorites is to is to throw out five bucks and tell them the hard ways for the crew double up the eight. So that's one dollar bet for the dealers that a four will be rolled as a pair of twos or a six will be rolled as a pair of threes or a ten will be rolled as a pair of fives and it's two dollars bet that an eight will be rolled as a pair of fours these bets pay seven to one or nine to one and they are active until a seven is thrown so somebody could hit multiples of these in the right situation this can be way more than a five dollar tip Gabriel has observed, and I have confirmed, that craps dealers are free to play the money you wager for them however they would like. They can collect all their winnings and your bet, 
or they can press their winnings up just like a player would. They are essentially in the game, and once you tip, it is their money, and they can manage it as they see fit. It's a really fascinating aspect of craps because I have yet to find another game where the dealers actually get to manage the money you've tipped for them. It's really interesting. Freaked Gabriel out the first time he saw it. So those are some ways of tipping table dealers, and they can multiply the amount that you tip them. An item of note here, tips are shared by the entire dealer staff, either for the shift or for the day, depending on the property. So the dealer standing at the $200 table, arms crossed with no players for the whole night, is still getting paid tips for the night. Likewise, the dealer at the full $100 Baccarat table collecting big tips is going to get the same share of the tip money as the person spinning the $1 a spin big six wheel and not collecting any tips. As a result of that, from time to time, when I've done well in a long session in a high limit room tipping as I went, instead of making a final additional tip of like $25 as I leave the table, I will instead get five $5 chips. And as I walk to the cage, I'll stop at various tables, and when there's a break in play, I'll give the dealer at the table a $5 tip. In the end, it all goes the same place. But it has created some funny moments. In one case, the players at the table were a bit surprised at me just kind of stepping into their game, tipping and leaving. And one of the players says to the dealer, why are people not even playing here tipping you? And she was quick and she was smart and she had the perfect reply. She said, because I'm just that good. <laughs> this is tipping as a tool in some ways. Some of those dealers that I didn't even play with on that particular day will remember, particularly if you're a regular, they'll remember that. And dealers who remember you doing nice things for them out of context become allies rather quickly, and allies who are dealers are a useful thing to have. And that's what I wanted to also talk about as part of this segment today. That's the thing I wanted to talk about next. Tipping as a tool. Just recently, I was playing blackjack at casino number one. And after playing for a while, I asked the floor how I was being rated. This is a very common question. People want to know this. It's, it's perfectly acceptable for you to ask to make sure that you and the floor are kind of on the same page. I mean, it's easy for a floor person to not see you raise and lower your bets and to have you underrated as a result. This particular floor person, who I've known for years, says he has me at what we would call in this podcast six units a hand, a number you know I never get to. I'm never getting to that number. I'm never getting to six units. And he then adds, I know who tips and who doesn't. I got you. Don't worry about it, TRG. I've heard this in the past from time to time. Tipping dealers and tipping when floor supervisors see you tipping is a tool for getting rated better. And getting rated better means getting better comps. Some of the, the rest of this may be obvious to many of you, and if so, I apologize. But in my experience, for every person who knows these things, there's another who does not know these things, which means there's also a good chance that I'm missing something you think is obvious. So if I am, feel free to email me and fill me in if, if that's what's going on here. But a, a, a great example of tipping as a tool that I learned years ago was that there are two levels of thank you at the valet at most casinos in Las Vegas. Look, it's been a decade plus since I drove in Las Vegas. Cabs are just easier. So these amounts are going to be larger now. Don't worry about the amounts. Worry about the concept. But back in the day, since valet parking on the Strip was free, we would just zip in and out of valets all the time and, and bounce around the Strip or bounce to downtown. And I found that if you tipped a dollar to the guy who took the car from you, he or she would say, thank you. And your car would be delivered back to you in a reasonable amount of time when you were ready to pick up your car. But by accident, I discovered that if you tip them $5, the thank you instead just always becomes a more Elvis-like thank you very much. And your car is often parked right there at the entrance to valet waiting for you when you return. Or if not, your car is returned very, very quickly ahead of other guests waiting for their car when you are ready to leave. That's tipping to get something to happen in the future, not for what just happened now. Same line of thought. I often hear people complaining about drink service, especially in Las Vegas and Atlantic City, where drinks are comped. Drink service is slow. Drinks are weak. I almost never have an issue with drink service or with weak drinks. Tipping is a tool. So I try to always over-tip on the first round of drinks, and then tip normally the rest of the night. 
Waitresses always make sure they find me regularly. In fact, okay, fun story. I seem to be going sideways a lot this episode. Um, we were on a trip to Las Vegas several years ago for New Year's Eve. Um, we arrived several days before, and we arrived in town late. It was around 10 o'clock due to flight schedules by the time we got there. But after we checked in got settled in the room, Mrs. TRG and I decided to go down to the casino and play just a, a shoe or two of blackjack and have a nightcap. So we ordered a couple beers, and I tipped like six bucks for two beers. And, and we started playing, and we started winning. And another round of beers show up before we even finished the first set. And I tipped a few bucks. And when the dealer got ready to shuffle, I asked Mrs. TRG if she, if she wanted a shot, and then we'd kind of wrap things up for the night. I said I'd go to the bar since I've been told in the past that players could not be served more than one drink at a time. And so my wife agreed. And when I got back from the bar, I said to her, we are not doing that again. These shots were over $30. So our waitress returns with another round of beers, and she's annoyed with me. She is interrogating me. She wants to know where these shots came from. And I said, what? I just, I got them at the bar. I figured you could only serve us one drink at a time. Well, she promptly told me that she could bring us two drinks anytime, every time. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. And I tipped her for the two more beers, and I threw a little extra on top because I cut her out of the tip for the shots, right? Less than 10 minutes later, she's back with two more beers and two more shots. Um, we ended up having a great night. We stayed up too late. We drank way too much because one shot turned into several shots and one shoe turned into many shoes. And just playing a couple for a nightcap turned into we're winning and this is fun. And we ended up winning a bunch of money. Um, although we both think we were still drunk when we went to brunch the next morning. <laughs> I think there's a good chance of that. Look, there are plenty of other examples, but the idea here is that with dealers, tipping is a thank you for the work that they have done that benefited you. And even there, tips should be appropriate to your level of play, but they can be used creatively to create allies in places where you gamble regularly. Tipping other people in the casino can be the same thing, tipping for something they did for you. Or instead of being a tip for what was done for you, it can be a tip for what will be done for you in the future because you tipped. And that's a useful tool. Okay, all right, another month has gone by. Let's retire to the VIP lounge and see if this was a winning month or a losing month. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Our lounge is open. Our lounge is open. Still in sparkling water to your left, along with handcrafted locally bottled artisanal soda and pop. Plenty of virtual beer, wine, spirits to your right. Help yourself, find something you like, settle into a comfy chair. Since we're just talking about beers and, uh, and shots a few minutes ago, that's what I set up for myself today. Beer and a shot. Hope you find something that, uh, that works for you. If you're just finding this podcast for the first time, thank you for sticking with this all the way to the end. Most of the time, the VIP lounge is a place for stories. Uh, traditionally, that's one of my favorite places to be in a casino, meeting friends old and new, sharing stories, having some sips. But at the end of most months, we use the VIP lounge to go over the results of the month and uh, to decide if I had a winning or a losing month of gambling. Look, I believe if you gamble for a profit as often as I do, you should measure your results a month at a time, not a table or a machine or even a day at a time. I also believe that if you listen to the podcast, you can only consider doing what I describe if you know my outcomes as accurately as possible. So that's what this time is for. What this isn't is me bragging about what I've accomplished. I mean, A, bragging about results is one sign that you have a gambling problem. And then B, this is really just small potatoes stuff, folks. I mean, in fact, I've kept it small potatoes on purpose to show what can be done with a very modest sum of money. I'm not skipping high limit play currently due to resources. I'm skipping high limit play because getting enough comps by gambling hundreds of dollars a hand isn't difficult. It's it's beyond the means of many people, but it's easy to do. If you've got the funds, you're going to get comps just fine if, if you're playing it at hundreds of dollars a hand or more. What I wanted to show was success at casino combat from a more reasonable, doable point of view. Let's dig into the, the details for the month. Uh, once again, pretending that I earn $1 a day and converting all the results into that format by dividing uh, the results by what I consider a, a day's pay. If you want to convert this back to your numbers, figure out what you earn a day and multiply that by these numbers. So if I say 1.3 
Take your amount, multiply it by 1.3, there you go. You'll see how this would impact your life, what it would mean to you, and, and the way you live. I, I try to do the honest thing. So honestly, these results for this month are really just kind of meh results for the, the, the first time in 12 months. Partly because we ended up out of action for almost a third of the month. But anyway, here goes. Mrs. TRG and I played eight winning tables and six losing tables across the course of the month. But despite getting the winning and losing ratio right, we ended up losing six cents on table games. Uh, once again, if I earned a dollar a day, this is the equivalent of six cents. We played seven winning and seven losing slot machines. Lucky number seven, I guess, because we won 12 cents gambling at slot machines with our own money. Not spectacular or impressive, but once again, TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos created a profit again this month. That's 11 months out of 12. Show me another approach to playing slots for your purchase approach that, that has those kinds of results. So, and I'm serious. If, if you can show me another one, I'd really like to see it. I'd, I'd, that'd be great if to, to know there's another one out there. But we're kind of seeing that this one works. Uh, so anyway, our air quotes win at slots covered our loss at blackjack and a little more. We received 10 cents of free slot play last month and used it to win a little over two cents, actually two and a half cents of free money. Add it all up, we won just over nine cents gambling this month, once again, if I earn just a dollar a day. Nothing special, but we won cash money this past month. We had $1.31 of expenses. Almost half of that was a great steakhouse dinner I took my wife to, and another 33 cents of that was a hotel room we decided to pay for because our home casino was booked full the night of the Kentucky Derby. Our expenses could have been much lower if we had done date nights differently. No complaints, we had great date nights. Anyway, the profit or loss after expenses? A loss after expenses of $1.22. But, 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 what did we get in comps and gifts? We received $1.28 in comps, once again, converted to a dollar a day's pay, 33 cents in match bets, and 13 cents in free bets. We received no gifts this month. No gifts. No gifts this month, which stinks. A month with no casino gifts. Um, there are a couple of things going on here. Uh, I don't qualify for gifts at my, at my local casino right now. Uh, I had gifts available at other casinos, but being there to receive them didn't work out. Uh, in addition, my home casino didn't give out gifts this month. They, they gave out some additional slot play instead, had some additional drawings, and I suspect the pandemic has messed with supply chains and planning, and this will start to get back to normal. That's what I think is going to happen. Also, we will be at several different properties next month when gifts are being handed out. So we have used Casino Wisdom number 64 and planned around our promotions better for next month to fix the lack of gifts. Roll it all up. The money won, the money spent, the comps, the free gambling money we received. We have a profit this month of 87 cents. It's not a cash profit. It's a comps profit. But by the definition of this podcast, we have a profit again this month. A few more observations to wrap this up. Because I ended up skipping almost a third of the month for family reasons, the last two visits to my local casino this past week take on extra weight. I lost a day and a half's pay at the tables on those two visits. Take those two visits out, and the table games gambling was profitable to the tune of $1.44 instead. I also lost some money playing slots on those visits, which reduced that profit uh, in that area a little bit as well. That's the way it goes. That's what I did. And the results are the results. And that's what I've reported. But it comes down to those two visits due to the small sample size. This also now makes a total of 12 months of results reported as part of this podcast. On a purely profit and loss after expenses basis, on a cash basis for the year, for 12 months, we have a cash profit of 38 days pay. Again, purely profit and loss, not counting comps. We had a cash profit seven months out of 12. I'd like that number to be eight or nine, not seven. But as a couple, we also know we made some spending choices that turned winning months into losing months on just a P&L basis. So I guess label a few things date night and vacation instead of casino combat, and we, we could increase that number of months one. Also, moving beyond just P&L, just cash, we were comp the equivalent of 57 days pay in rooms, meals, money to gamble with, gifts, in some cases just flat out cash. So, so total value of benefits from doing casino combat for 12 months 
an additional value of over three months pay into our life. That's a lifestyle for us. That's a side hustle that has both paid for things and provided things we would prefer not to pay for. That's my results for May 2021. And for the first year of our Casino Combat podcast, we will wrap up season one next week and continue to try to educate and inform as we look forward to season two. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are nine this week in this episode of the podcast. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Don't tip away your wins. We've talked about that. If you want to tip your casino coach, go to anchor.fm slash casino combat. Click on that donate button. I'd appreciate it. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it. Hate it. It don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Goodbye, everyone.